0: As ranchers, we understand the cow-calf side of the business, but what about the next step in the beef chain, the grow yards and the feed yards? Trista Brown-Priest joins me from Cattle Empire in Satanta, Kansas with a look into the feed yard business. What's it look like? What's their struggles? Why is she optimistic? And the answer to this question.
1: If we could advise ranchers on how to most successfully send their cattle to the feed yard.
0: On this episode of the Working Ranch Radio Show. It's another edition of the Working Ranch Radio Show, and I'm your host, Justin Mills. We thank you for joining us here again on Rural Radio, Channel 147, Sirius XM, where you'll find us right here every Saturday at 12 noon Eastern, and we are glad you're joining us here this weekend as well. Well, on our show today, we're going to be looking at a little bit more in depth at the feed yard business as Trista Brown Priest with Cattle Empire in Satana, Kansas, joining us, as I said, in the opening there. I'm excited to visit with her her mainly just to just uh I think for a lot of us that are more on the ranching side of the business we we are understand the concept of a grow yard or a feed yard but some of the maybe inner details we don't know quite as much about and that was kind of the focus behind some of this and also just to hear from her from being uh and you'll hear one of my questions uh with Trista about the perception of them kind of being the middle man between uh, us as ranchers and the the Packers and so we're going to be talking a little bit about that as well as just things that they get to deal with as well and one of those has to do with succession planning and uh, I appreciate Trista's very honest comments about succession planning. We deal with it in the ranching business really any business in the world probably deals with succession planning and uh, no doubt was a very big influence in in what you see with the Cattle Empire Company as you see it today. But we're going to talk more about that with Trista, and uh, excited to have that conversation with her. Also, the Captain Tim O'Byrne will be by with uh, his edition of Tim's Two Cents, and we'll also have another edition of our Breed Spotlight today as we focus on the Limousine and the Limflex Breed. Mark Anderson, Executive Director of the American Limousine Foundation, will be here to join us for that Breed Spotlight coming up in our next segment. Well, how would you like to win a Cross 5 Cattle Cooler? It's worth about $350, and here's how you can do it. Right now, registration is open for the inaugural Working Ranch Expo that's going to be held this coming December, 8th, 9th, and 10th, in Las Vegas during the National Finals Rodeo. So to kick off the opening of the registration for this new event, if you register by the 15th of September, then you're going to be entered into a drawing for a Cross five cattle cooler. Now registration is only $15 and it's good for all three days. Kids under 17 are free. College students get in for $10. Registration includes access to over about a dozen educational sessions that will be presented during the event. So if you'd like to learn more about it and would like to register, here's how you can do it. Go to workingranchexpo.com. And by the way, as I said, get registered before the 15th of September for a chance to win that cooler. Well, the next edition of working ranch magazine is headed your way and the captain tim o'burn publisher and editor of working ranch magazine gives us another preview of what you're going to find in this next issue on this week's tim's two cents
1: hey justin hey everybody out there in working ranch radio land i want to bring your attention to the september october issue page 70 this is an article by heather smith thomas she's a great writer Uh, knows a lot about cows. Treatment tips to remember. All right. And she talks about all kinds of things, adequate restraint and cleanliness, proper treatment, proper diagnosis, follow the directions and uh, record keeping and follow up monitoring. It's all in there. Page 70, September, October issue of the Working Ranch Magazine. Back to you, Justin. I know you've got a great show for us. Thanks. Bye.
0: All right. Well, thanks, Captain. And I'm looking forward to my copy coming. You know, I I thought about this a little bit. You'd think I'd get a copy before everyone else does, but that's not the case. I have to wait just like you all do. So again, be looking for your next issue of Working Ranch Magazine. Right now, a thank you to our sponsors of the Working Ranch Radio Show, the American Simmental Association with the Carcass Merit Program, feed conversion data calving ease research and it's established the simmental as a beef industry leader combining growth and carcass value with outstanding cow traits research that's backed by the most extensively documented genetics and largest multi-breed database in the industry simgenetics Profit through science. Find out more at Simmental.org Biozyme. Protect and recovery with Vita Charge by Biozyme. For more information, visit VitaFirm.com forward slash Vita dash charge. Galve Balancer. The smart, reliable, and profitable choice. For more information, go to galvey.org Hargrove Ranch Insurance. Providing pasture range and forage insurance to ranchers across the nation. Contact Hargrove Ranch Insurance at 325- 573 for a free custom quote or find them online at hargroveinsurance.com. Well, stay with us. Our breed spotlight is next as Mark Anderson with the North American Limousine Foundation joins me to talk about some exciting news about limousine cattle coming out regarding Parkus EPDs. Then later, Trista Brown-Priest with Cattle Empire joins me for our featured interview on the feed yard business, so don't go away. You're listening to The Working Ranch Radio Show. Starting off in the right direction is essential to gaining an advantage later when you go to market your calves, and I have proof that the right direction is with Sim Angus Sired Calves. A 2020 study by K State showed that Sim Angus sired steer calves earn more at sale time than all other breed identified sire groups with at least 50 lots represented on Superior Livestock's 2020 summer sales. The proof's right there. For low risk, high potential calves with earning potential, be confident that Sim Genetics will give you more per head, period. Stand strong, Simmental. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm your host, Justin Mills, and I'm joined now by Mark Anderson, who's the Executive Director for the North American Limousine Foundation. And Mark, thanks for joining us here today on the Working Ranch Radio Show.
2: Oh, thanks for having us, Justin. We appreciate it.
0: I want you to to tell us a little bit about the limousine cattle. They've been around in, in, in the country a while, but in the last five years, you feel there's been some really advancements and some changes made to the limousine cattle and so i wanted you to kind of give us a little bit more detail about what that looks like
2: thanks yeah i they our breeders have really done a nice job here the last five years and i think they're paying attention to the market signals we're getting now as you know uh most of these feeder cattle going into the system and cattle coming out of these feed yards there's been a Big, strong demand signal for trying to achieve the upper two-thirds of choice. And Of course, we're getting more prime cattle now, but it's improved beef demand uh, with the quality improvements for eating consistency. But at any rate, our breeders have done a nice job. Uh, these probably aren't the limousine cattle you're used to looking at 15, 20 years ago. Uh, we have the Limflex hybrid, which is limousine Angus Cross, and then, of course, our purebred bulls primarily in the mix. Um, 85% of our herd book is now registered black. Um, which works well into the terminal cross as we're trying to make cattle that fit into the feeder cattle and feed yard system in the US but our breeders have done a nice job they've increased their marbling Um, they're very good on a terminal cross of course with a you know straight angus set of commercial cows or red angus but the advantage and the pluses that they've always had in ribeye and somewhat in feed efficiency are still there they've deepened and softened the cattle up but they've improved their marbling EPD now at a good 2-3 tenths to what they were just five years ago as they've tried to kind of catch up and making some bulls that kind of fit the industry needs now that work well in a terminal cross and still provide good females with you know maintaining their maternal traits as well but we fed a lot of the cattle um i used to feed a lot of cattle and fed a lot of the Limplex hybrid but uh, got along very well at the packing house with A lot of those cattle hitting the, you know, upper two thirds of choice and, uh, you know, maintaining the ribeye and that cross works well because we're feeding cattle a lot bigger than we were five, 10 years ago. So we're trying to maintain our advantages and feed efficiency with that cross and getting cattle to bigger outweights. So uh, our breeders have done a nice job trying to match up the cattle and make mating decisions
0: i want you to go a little bit more there into some detail here on the carcass epds because there's some there's some new data out there where you've got uh, quite a bit more information out there about the carcass epds on lim, limousine cattle and it's something you guys are are really excited about yeah
2: we are um it's been about a year in in really two years getting it in place but Um, We've got some pretty data mined breeders and quite a few that are still cattle feeders, but we've been able to capture uh, to date over 88,000 carcass phenotype records directly out of the packing house that we can tie back to pedigrees. And what it's done, um, it's just added to accuracies, uh, particularly on uh, different sires as far as carcass weight, yield grade, quality grade, and as we move forward, Uh, That's going to grow rapidly over time, and we're fortunate enough to have membership that are not only seed stock breeders, but cattle feeders to capture that data as well. But it's increased accuracy on our EPDs by a good two, three tenths on the affected sires and those pedigree lines, and it's helped our breeders kind of chase cattle quicker to get those superior carcass traits. Um, I would say by the first quarter, the end of it next year, we'll have more carcass kill data and phenotype records in than any other breed association in the United States. But all that's helped through IGS. Um, without them, we couldn't do it. Um, combining the genomics with the pedigree and performance data up there, and they produce a fabulous run that's cross breed comparable on over 22 million head of cattle in their cattle evaluation now. So. It's been a big jump forward for us and accelerated genetic improvement in both the limousine and limflex classifications on our cattle, and uh, our our breeders are utilizing it very heavily, Mm -hmm. Justin.
0: I want you to go back and and touch back on the cow side of things and and what that cow brings to to a guy's herd if he's going to go with a with a limousine. I know you talked a little bit about uh this the limousine cattle being a great terminal cross, but there's also some advantages coming in from a maternal side as well.
2: There is and it all relates to sustainability and and I think you know we look at where we stand in Cavanies. Um, birth weights as we cross-breed, compare EPDs. There's some really good uh, cattle out there as far as the Wimplex female goes in the industry that our breeders are making now. Um, You know, we've got folks that look at a balanced set of EPDs when they're going through, and I know that most of them have picked up on the genomic enhancement of cattle here, particularly the last five years just getting an early peek into that animal's life. So as we we got to be careful as we make these bigger cattle for feed yards to bigger slaughter weights. We still need to maintain a moderate-sized cow that we don't break somebody, particularly with all the drought conditions we've got, that they can afford to feed that cow. And um, you look at where we're at on milk, birth weight, and cavities, I mean, you can find yourself a pretty functional set mm-hmm. of moderate cows that'll breed back if you don't, uh, you kind of find middle ground there and don't get too carried away with some of it.
0: Mm-hmm. And if folks are interested in finding out more about the limousine cattle, what is the best way to do that?
2: Um, Probably go to our website at the North American Limousine Foundation, and that's just www.nalf.org, or you can email or call me. Uh, My email is markmrk at nalf.org.
0: Well, Mark, I want to thank you for joining us here on the Working Ranch Radio Show.
2: No, we appreciate you having us, Justin, any time.
0: And again, that's Mark Anderson, Executive Director for the North American Limousine Foundation. And as he referred to his website, NALF.org, that is N-A-L-F dot O-R-G is the website for more information on limousine or limb flex cattle well stay with us coming up next Trista brown priest joins us with cattle empire in satanta kansas as we talk the feed yard business we're going to be back with more on the working ranch radio show on Rural radio channel 147 sirius xm It's weaning time, one of the biggest days of the year for you and the most stressful for your calves. Ensure a smooth transition with the VitaCharge Weaning Program. This two-step program with the AmmaFirm Advantage gives calves the nutritional boost they need to get through the first weeks of weaning, accelerate appetite, increase weight gain, and improve health. It's weaning time. Get them ready with Vita Charge. For more information, visit VitaFirm.com forward slash Vita Charge. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm your host, Justin Mills. Our featured segment today brought to you by Biozyme. Protect and recovery with Vita Charge by Biozyme. For more information, visit VitaFirm.com forward slash Vita Charge. Charge. Well, before we get into our featured subject today on feed yards, I thought it would be interesting to look over some statistics from the USDA. According to their numbers, there are about 28,180 feed yard operations in the country, of which 80% of those are our family own. Now of those 28,180, there's only about 1400 feedlots that have a greater than 1000 head capacity, and those smaller feedlots really only account for a very small market as far as those uh fed cattle that are marketed. Now in contrast, feedlots that are 32,000 head capacity or more well, they account for about 40% of the fed cattle marketed here in the country. So some interesting statistics about the feed yard business. And with that, I'm pleased to introduce to you Miss Trista Brown-Priest, who is the Chief Operations Officer for Cattle Empire in Satanta, Kansas. And Trista, thanks for joining us here today on the Working Ranch Radio Show.
1: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: Trista, uh, before we get into some of the other questions that uh, I want to talk about as we uh, I, I just want to give folks today the overall purpose of this interview is to give uh, folks listening just what it what it looks like in the life of, of a feedlot operation. And so before we get to that, though, I thought it was important to give us a brief history of your family's operation there in Santana, Kansas.
1: Absolutely. So, um, yeah, like like you said, my name's Trista Brown-Priest, and I'm the third generation of Brown family here at Cattle Empire. The company was started by my grandpa in 1978. Um, he, he, before that was a wheat farmer and cattle were a natural hedge for wheat at that time. You know, the markets don't really work that way necessarily anymore, but at that time cattle were a good offset. And so he got into the cattle business and, um, grew from there. My dad, um, joined the business in 1995 and, um, is still our CEO. Um, and then I've been here, I guess, since 2008. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we overlapped there for quite a while and, um, yeah. And all got to work together. So, um, throughout that time, you know, we have varied in size a little bit. We started out, uh, when grandpa bought the company, you know, we were a 4,000 head, uh, feed yard. Um, we grew, um, quite a bit substantially from the seventies and early eighties into, um, the mid, I guess, 20 teens mm-hmm. growing from that 4,000 head feed yard into a 250,000 head feed yard. At that time, you know, in 2017, we were the fifth largest feedyard in the country. Um, still family owned and operated. So the ownership group at that time was my grandparents, my dad, and his siblings. He has four siblings. And um, both my grandparents passed in 17 and 18. And uh, when time, ta- when you know, we thought we had succession plan all figured out and that it would be a pretty seamless transition from from their ownership group um, to my my dad and just his siblings. But when when it ta- came time to put the cards down. That wasn't what ended up happening. Um, A lot of my aunts and uncles, or all of them in fact, wanted out of the company. So in 2018, we liquidated three quarters of our business um, to be able to buy them out. So we went from 250,000 head capacity to 50,000, which would be you know, 25%, of uh, which was my dad's quarter. Mm-hmm. And now the business is owned by my parents and my sister and I.
0: Mm-hmm. Trista, you talked a little bit about succession planning there just a moment ago, and, and I don't want to let that go. We're going to go back to that in a moment. But uh, before we do that, as uh, we get a little bit more information about Empire, what class of cattle, what type of cattle are you guys feeding out there in your yard?
1: So we, we're we 50,000 head capacity, mostly custom feeders um, here in southwest Kansas. So the vast majority of the cattle that we care for at Cattle Empire are owned by customers. We bring them in anywhere from 500 to 800 pounds and feed them out until they're ready to go to the packer. We feed conventional cattle that receive um, implants and um, Optiflex. And then we also feed natural and... Uh, NHTC, non hormone treated cattle, here as well.
0: Mm-hmm. What's the amount of labor, the scope of labor that you rely on for your operation?
1: So we have about 50 employees. They're all beef quality assurance um, certified. So mm-hmm. everybody on the first day of work learns how to handle animals, even if that's not their role. You know, we have a couple office employees, and, and they are BQA certified, even though they will almost never be out in the pens with animals.
0: Trista, I'd like for you to kind of now break the feed yard out and, and into kind of the departments or the enterprises within each uh, area that you guys focus on. I know I know for some folks listening, you're probably very familiar with this, but I think there are also folks that maybe haven't uh, ever been inside the full working details of a large feed yard. And so I think it'd be helpful if you, if you kind of outlined really the departments within a feed yard operation like yours.
1: So feed yards are made of three different departments. The feed department, the maintenance department, and the cattle department. Uh, the feed department, um, you know, manufactures the feed. We make all of our own feed here on site. We steam flake the corn, um, and then we, you know, the vast majority of our other ingredients would be, um, dry distiller's grains, silage, and, um, flaked corn. So we, and we do a little bit of ground hay in our starter ration. Um, but so we make all that feed. So the feed department makes and distributes the feed to the cattle.
3: Mm-hmm. The
1: cattle department are our cowboys and the processors. So the processors, you know, do the initial receiving of cattle into the yard and then any re-implants or anything like that. And then the cowboys ride pins every day, to usually the same pin. So those cowboys get to know those cattle. They pull any sick animals and those sick animals go to the hospital where we have a TN Visa employee who is actually a licensed vet in Mexico is our head doctor and he um will you know tempt the animal and if they have a temperature he'll follow the protocol laid out by our our um, consulting veterinarian in how to treat that animal. The animal will stay in the hospital until it's better and then it goes back to its home pin. Um Mm-hmm. And then the maintenance department just keeps all of that running. So that would be, you know, loaders, uh, feed trucks, um, four wheelers, all the things. And then they also do all the pin floor maintenance with uh, removing manure and keeping all the pins clean and putting out bedding and things like that.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so we do have a consulting veterinarian and nutritionist that come twice a month to make sure that that our employees are well trained and um that we're making, you know, if we haven't needed to make any changes to the rations or to our veterinary protocols, they help us analyze the data to make sure that we're doing everything to the best of our abilities.
0: Mm-hmm. Trista, right now, if we were to start and go through maybe a 12-month period of time, what would that look like, uh, your busy times of the year and and the, and the things that, that you kind of ra- get ramped up for and the things when it's slowed down? So what does it look like in the course of a 12-month period for a feedlot?
1: So at, at a feed yard, the um, pace of work, I guess, would be a lot, a lot more steady than, than what y'all do. Um, we don't have nearly the seasonalities. We obviously have, you know, harvest. We take high moisture corn and then two crops of silages. So we have three harvests per year. But other than that, the, the majority of our ebb and flow is just the amount of cattle we have on feed. But we do have cattle on, we receive and we ship cattle every week. So we do have cattle coming mm-hmm. in and going out um, all the time.
0: Sure. One of the things that I was thinking about, I know your family has been in in the cattle uh, feeding business for a long, long time, and you yourself grew up in it. So I know you 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 understand that. As I've had interviews with uh, with different folks throughout the uh, on the Working Ranch Radio Show, one of the things that has been evident is the fact that we have seen a change in cattle uh, that over the course of say, I mean, shoot, your family goes back to the seventies, you know, and I mean, from that time until now, there has been a change in cattle how do you how does that relate uh from the feed yard business the change of cattle that we're, that's coming out of the commercial cow calf ranches into the feedlot? what does those changes look like from the feed yard side of things
1: absolutely i mean the, the what we're able to do with genetics now is is just crazy um so both you know the breed and the and the genetics i guess the marbling and the the carcass characteristics of animals is has just um, really improved the The vast change, I would say, or the biggest change on the feed yard side is is the outweight of cattle. You know, um, in grandpa's day, a fat animal, you know, was, you know, a 1,000 to 1,100 pounds. And now we have some cattle that come in at that weight. Not that that's recommended, um, but we we can make cattle so much bigger and provide so much more uh, meat on each, you know, from each animal than we used to be able to. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Trista, what about the efficiency in these cattle? I know from what cattle used to be to what they are now, there's a lot of expectations that these breeds are putting in these cattle and how they're supposed to perform when they hit the feedlot.
1: Yeah, I, that that would probably be the second largest change. In in my opinion, um, besides the outweight, is the efficiency of, of the cattle. They can gain so much more efficiently on, on less feed. Um, so that has been... Not necessarily that we're feeding less, but the they're more efficient with the conversion. So they're, they are able to, I guess, make those pounds in the same amount of time that we used to make them, but we can make so many more.
0: Mm-hmm. Trista, from the perspective of a rancher in regards to where you fit in in this beef supply chain, and I'm going to talk about pretty much the the chain from the rancher to the packer, Uh, you know, the ranchers producing the calves, they go to grass, they go to a feed yard, eventually through the feed yard into the packer, which by all accounts, uh, in those three steps, uh, puts you in the middle. Do you feel as though you're kind of the middleman in this situation?
1: Yes, I I would. Um, you know, with the vast majority of our cattle being customer cattle, you know, our obligation and our duty is to our customer to ensure that their cattle are performing to the best of their abilities. Uh, we do have a relationship with a packer, so the, the majority of our cattle would go to that packer on a grid. But I do feel that that grid does the best job to get our customers the best um Return that they can, but on on the, on the other hand, I guess speaking to the middleman piece, you know the packers are a partner with us as well, so we are trying to, to make sure that everyone is as happy as possible you know if if we do something that the packer doesn't like and they nullify our grid, then you know we're not doing our duty to get our customers the best return that they can, so we are tr- kind of um, trying to be the best partner with both sides as mm-hmm. we can be, yeah, and it is it is on gene type rope.
0: Yeah, it is. And I and I think, um, as you well know, I mean, the the ranching industry has a lot of frustrations currently with the packing industry. And, um, you know, sometimes that that goes and tied with, you know, where the prices are at currently. And and so from that perspective, do you have to deal with much of that frustration from the rancher side or you or being the middle? Are you able to keep things out of some of the political elements in your dealings?
1: no i I would say that's definitely high on high on everyone's mind right now um is is just trying to figure out how to maybe tip the scales a little bit more in the in the cattleman's favor um, or the rancher's favor in this case the challenging part there is the cyclical nature of the beef industry um you know we see it kind of you know on a smaller scale on the herd size you know there's more cattle so the price goes down if you know it's simple economics if the if the price If there's fewer cattle, then the price goes up. And I think that's, that's kind of where we're at in the cycle of the beef industry right now is that there are too many cattle and not enough hooks. And that gives the packer more leverage over all of us. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: And I'm not sure where, how to find that equilibrium because I'm sure, you know, in the next five to 10 years, that'll go the other way. I hope it will where we get our chance to make the money and the, and we tell the packer what the price is. Mm -hmm. But uh, farmers, you know, we're we're not very good at finding that equilibrium and just staying there. Mm
0: -hmm. Trista Brown Priest is my guest today, Chief Operations Officer for Cattle Empire. We're going to take a break here. And when we come back, what are the issues that the feed yard businesses are paying attention to in regards to what's happening back in Washington, D.C.? We're going to talk about that and more when we continue on the Working Ranch Radio Show. For commercial cow calf producers, crossbreeding with Galve and Balancer is the smart, reliable, and profitable choice. Galve and Balancer females offer maternal superiority through increased fertility, greater longevity, and more pounds of calf weaned per cow exposed. In the feed yard, Balancer cattle can offer increased performance, improve feed efficiency, and have excellent carcass merit. Balancers add the pounds, make the grade, and deliver the value. Galvian Balancer, the smart, reliable, and profitable choice. For more information, go to gelvate.org. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio show here on Rural Radio, Channel 147, Sirius XM. I'm your host, Justin Mills. Our featured interview today brought to you by Biozyme, protect and recovery with Vita Charge by Biozyme. And before we jump into our uh, more of our conversation with our guest today I want to remind you that if you hear something on the show and you want to go back and hear it again one of the easiest ways that you can do that is if you're familiar with podcast or any of the podcast sites that are out there, if you search on that under Working Ranch Radio Show you will find us and not only can you listen to the program that you're wanting to listen to again but also any previous programs as well and, and there's also easy ways for you to share that uh, through social media or email links as well. So uh, easy way for you to go back and listen to those programs is through our podcast site. Well, we continue our conversation today as we're focused on looking at the feed yard business. And my guest is Trista Brown Priest. She is the chief operations officer for Cattle Empire. And uh, as she talked about in the first segment there, uh, Cattle Empire, a family owned operation out of Satanta, Kansas, grew to be the fifth largest feedlot feed in the United States before their uh, strategic restructure in 2018. At that time, uh, before that, they were had a capacity of 245,000 head. Now, in their restructure, uh, down to about a 53,000 head capacity. But uh, Trista, as we as we go into the next segment here. Uh, for all of us in, in any business we're in, there's always things happening back in Washington DC that affect our business. And so from from the feed yard business, what are you guys watching? And the issues that are taking place back in Washington and, and legislative things that are coming down the pike or you hear about, what are some of those things that you are paying attention to that you think are would affect the business of the feed yard operations?
1: Yes, I think the the biggest thing that we're watching out of DC is is the issue on cash trade um, on the fat cattle side, and um, how much of that should be open market actual cash trade, and how much of it should be based on grids. Um, I don't have a good solution for that, but I do know that we don't want the government involved. Um, they, you know, I'm I'm from the government. Mm-hmm. I'm here to help, and that is not <laughs> what we want. We need to be able to regulate ourselves and figure out this problem on our own as an industry. And I feel that some of this division amongst the beef industry is not helping us. You know, we're all here to hopefully all make it for another day. And we need to figure out our problems amongst ourselves. And all this fighting is just confusing everyone that's not at the table with us. Mm-hmm. So We need to sit down and figure out what's a workable solution for, for all parties and how do, we, how do we get to that point.
0: Mm-hmm. Trista, you talked about some of the things that you're watching in D.C. Are there other concerns facing the feed yard business and not just you, I mean, not just maybe your family operation, but just the feed yard business in general? That just, you know, I guess everybody's business has some things that kind of nag in the back of your head. For the feed yard business, what does that look like?
1: Absolutely. Um, I would say the most immediate concern or, or um, one of the more short-term problems potentially is is the corn market you know our our grain is just crazy expensive up here and with our basis and everything and that that makes it you know we need to make sure we're being as efficient with every kernel of grain as we can be um, so that we're not our customers don't have that ridiculously high cost of gain Um, but again hopefully that's a relatively short-term issue Mm -hmm. long-term I would say the biggest issues in our area we we're on the we're on an aquifer here uh, we get very little rain. It's it's the perfect climate for feed yards uh, because we only get you know 14 to 16 inches of rain a year. We don't have any mud issues with the cattle, but we only get 14 inches of rain. So the vast majority of the crops here are irrigated crops using groundwater. Um, you know the the state estimates that the only our water will only last for 20 to 25 more years. Um, you know as a as a third generation farm, we were hoping to be here for longer than that. So we're very invested in monitoring our aquifer and our water for, water use and making sure we're conserving that for as long as possible. Um, so big picture, long term, that's one of our, our biggest hot buttons. The second is is labor. And you know, we're very lucky in that, um, you know, we, we have all of our positions filled at the moment, but that's not always the case. We are in very small communities here. You know, Satana is about 1,200 people. Um, so... You can burn through your, your potential labor pool pretty quickly. Um, and we've, we've really struggled trying to find employees in the past. And I'm sure we will again in the future.
0: Mm-hmm. I want to ask you about a couple things, uh, and one of the hot button issues right now that all of agriculture is having to face is environmental concerns and how, how does that affect your business? I know the animal feeding segment of the industry has been targeted quite a bit in the past as well and so when we talk about some of the environmental concerns and, and talking sustainability in agriculture what does that look like from, your, from the feed yard business and how you address that?
1: So one unique thing about Cattle Empire is that we have a water reclamation system. So like I said, all of our water for the cattle and for the feed yard comes from our groundwater sources. Um, in the winter, when we turn on the overflows on all of our water tanks, we have a, uh, a water reclaim system plumbed into those overflows. So we catch we catch the drips of the overflows. and. Um, filter it through a a couple series of filters and then run it through some uv lights and then we run that water back into our cattle tanks Um, so it's not something that goes into the mill for speed processing or for humans to drink but it goes back to the cattle and the water that comes out of our water reclaim system is actually cleaner than the water that's already in the water tanks just by the time it's um, exposed to you know noses and air and birds Mm Anyway, the water is very clean when it comes out of the water reclaim system, and we're able to recycle 20% of our annual water usage by using that water reclaim system. Mm-hmm. So that's one of our big um, sustainability initiatives here at, at Cattle Empire. Um, and then from a from a manure management side, you know, is it, kind of the other big deal that, that feed yards worry about. We collect... Um, every drop of water whether that be rain or snow or urine any drop of water that falls within the fences of the feed yard has to be collected so we collect those in lagoons and then we use that water on some nearby circles of crops and actually my husband farms that, that ground and we feel like that works really well because he's also invested in making sure that that ground is is productive for you know the next eternity um so we do quarterly soil samples of all that ground to make sure that the nutrients are right, and we're not getting anything um, too hot or
3: mm-hmm.
1: putting too much liquid water on it. Um, and then for the solid manure, uh, we export that to our our farmers that bring in um, high moisture corn or silage. They um, take they can take manure um, from here for free, and then put it on their fields.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So that's how we. That's I guess those are the two big. Yeah. Um, feed yard sustainability things are manure and uh, water.
0: Mm -hmm. I want to go back to address something about the type of cattle that you guys are feeding uh, there in your yard and, and address what we are starting to see for changes in the, in, in the industry with uh, program type cattle. And you said there was some different uh, program cattle that you feed as well as a, a conventional style and, and talk about how that has changed since you have been in the feed yard business for quite a few years. How have you seen that change in the and the type of program cattle that are coming through and the, then passing that on in the, and I guess the need that you're seeing from the packer side of things?
1: Yeah, our our feeding of program cattle is fairly new. That's something that we implemented after the downsizing. Um, so in 2018, late 2018 and tw- 2019, um, I feel like that's something that is easier to do at, at a smaller scale. I know 50,000 head sometimes you know depends on what side of the fence you're on if that's smaller big, but it's easier to do on the at, at this size of facility than what we were before. Um, And the vast majority of the customers that we have utilizing one of those programs are people that have a branded beef program, so they are going to use these animals um, direct to consumer. So, we have very few customers that are feeding program cattle that just send them to the packer. Mm
0: -hmm. So, as you've started down this road relatively new, um, is that something that you're seeing that demand for increasing, or is it just because of of your size where you can really handle this better for these customers?
1: Part of both, um, we can we can really handle it better for our customers uh, because you know Roy and I are still on site every day, and we ha- we have a great leadership team at the feed yard. I would put us up against anybody. So I'm not saying that Roy and I do this by ourselves by any means, but you know ownership is on site every day. That's one thing that makes us unique to Cattle Empire. Roy's house is two miles away, Mine is minus three miles away, so we can be at the yard in, in a second. Um, so we you know we're we're hands on in making sure that that. You know, we drive the yards every day. We see every cattle every day, every animal every day. Um, so that's part of, of what made us, uh, take this leap. And then the second is, you know, there, there has been quite a bit of growth. It seems like, and I, I we don't have a branded beef program, so I'm speaking out of my depth a little bit, but those customers of ours that, that feed those cattle for a branded beef program seem to be doing very well. It's, it seems like there's a lot of increasing demand from our, from, consumer, from beef eaters, that they want to be able to buy um, beef direct. And so that seems to be working very well for them.
0: So you talked a little bit about uh, a lot of your, your staff is BQA, or all your staff is BQA certified, and that's something that interestingly that uh, at some point I, I want to do a show on on BQA. I know a lot of folks are familiar with it, but at the same time, if you had an opportunity to, to uh, say, Here's what I need from you, ranchers. This is what we' are looking for when these cattle arrive here in the in the feed yard. Uh, this is what we could advise you to do. What would that be?
1: If we could advise ranchers on how to most successfully send their cattle to the feed yard, I guess my number one advice is just to be transparent about what kind of treatments, what kind of vaccines, what kind of program have these cattle been through um, You know, I talked a little bit about our team and that I'm very confident in our abilities, but we we can only handle what we know we're in for you know if there's if there's cattle that people say came from grass and have been backgrounded for 90 days and that they should be straightened out but they're actually from the sale barn you know that's when we have a problem and you know we try to identify that those types of issues as quickly as possible and and try to do the best thing we can for those animals but you know that cattle can fall apart very quickly so really just transparency in 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 knowing Where these cattle have been, what kind of things have they already gotten, how can we pass this torch in a more efficient way that's best for the animals?
0: Mm -hmm. For guys that have cattle uh, sitting on the ground and ready to go at some point... um and I know you you talked about the fact that you know you're going to get cattle from a very varying backgrounds that come in, and and the transparency may not always be there, so you kind of have to recover when those cattle get there. But at the same time, when when somebody's sitting there and and they're making a decision to, and I, and I realize you're not necessarily buying, you're not buying these cattle. You're dealing with somebody that has bought these cattle. But at the same time, I'm a rancher sitting out here in northeast Wyoming saying okay, what what's the perfect solution that I can provide to you, the feed yard business? And I know you just talked about the transparency part about that, but physically what are some of the elements and the things that I can do as a rancher or as a yearling operator to set these cattle up to fit right into your yard?
1: That's an interesting question, and, and I'm going to backtrack a little bit and then hopefully lead into that. Mm-hmm. So of our customer group, you know, we have a lot of, Uh, there's a wide array. You know, there are some customers that are retained ownership. You know, they're cow, calf people that want to feed these cattle out to the end. We have, and then all the way to, you know, we have some professional cattle feeders where they've done this forever. They background them themselves. Like they, they go to the sale bar and they background and Then they send them. Mm -hmm. And then we have some customers that are more um, investment type customers and they want, they want us to source animals for them and then resell it to them. So I think there's, you know, there's a wide variety of sure. ways that feed yards and ranchers work together. And um, so some people, especially some of your, your listeners that may, you know, they have a tight vaccine program and they, they would, their cattle are bulletproof. You know, those cattle might be the best suited for one of our investor type customers where you could call a feed yard and say, hey, I've got these cattle Um is anyone willing to, do you have any customers willing to buy them at this price? Mm-hmm. You know, that that's something that we may be able to do together. You know, there are more options potentially than than how you guys are marketing your cattle right now. But I, I think, again, that kind of goes back to there are some of our customers like that, that that are savvy enough to know, well, you know, a round of shots is not just a blackleg vaccine or, you know, whatever. So they, they want to know specifically what have these animals gotten.
0: Mm-hmm. We're talking about the feed yard business today, getting a perspective from Trista Brown Priest, who's the chief operations officer for Cattle Empire out of Satanta, Kansas. We're going to take a break here. And when we come back, we're going to visit with Trista about why she's optimistic about the cattle business. And also, we're going to go back and visit with her more about succession planning that affected her family's operation and why she feels that's an important issue that we need to be facing in the agricultural industry. We'll be back with more on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Animal health is key to your business. So how do you track cattle health treatments? Well, stop relying on pen and paper or complicated programs. Performance Beef helps you record processing data, enter costs, and track animal health history all in real time at the shoot. The mobile app also makes it easy to log pasture and pen treatments on the go. Your health data is integrated with feed and financial information in one easy-to-use platform. Accessible from your computer, smartphone, or tablet. Find Performance Beef online to request a demo. welcome back to the working ranch radio show I'm your host Justin Mills our topic today is on the feed yard business and we've been talking with Trista Brown priest who's the chief operations officer for cattle Empire out of Satanda Kansas a 53,000 head plus capacity at their feed yard operation and Trista as you look ahead in your business uh, and I know you've had a lot of changes in the last several years within your own family's operation but as you look ahead in the feed yard business you um, what are you optimistic about
1: i'm i'm optimistic about about where we're at as as an industry as a whole you know i feel like the problems we're going through right now and the and the the communication issues and the fighting that we're having i feel like that's all resolvable and overall you know beef demand is up people are eating more beef i feel like as a group if we can get our house in order here, we're in a really good place to sell a lot of beef to a lot of people and have them have a, have a really good eating experience. Um, you know, for a while there and as a millennial, I suppose, I, um, there were a lot of people that didn't know how to cook beef, you know, COVID solved that problem for us. Everyone knows how to cook at home. Now. Um, we just need to get that beef into their shopping cart. Um, so overall, I guess I'm very optimistic for our, our whole industry.
0: Well, Trista, before we go, I mentioned that we would come back to this subject, and that was the subject of succession planning, because you mentioned in your family's history and talking about cattle empire and where it started from to where it is today succession planning was something that deeply affected your family's operation and so i want to go back to that because it it is a big issue in the in the ag industry and in fact uh, back on episode 28 of our program here on the 24th of june is when that show kicked out i did an interview and and a show with alan crockett about succession planning because it is kind of uh, the elephant in the room, so to speak, that we used as a phrase there that we know about, we don't always want to talk about. And so as we leave here today, what would be some final words that you would offer to folks about succession planning and why that is important for these agricultural, these ranching businesses?
1: Yeah, and I, I really hope that's a take home for for, you know, most of the people that we talk to about this. We're trying to be uh, really upfront, we thought we had all our ducks in a row and that that everything um, was going to be fine. And the torch, when my grandparents passed, and the torch would pass um, seamlessly. But that didn't end up being the case. And I and I hope that's what a lot of our fellow you know producers get from our story is that even if you feel like you have things figured out, talk about it again. Make sure that you know you guys are all on the same page because sometimes you know after loved ones are gone, the the game changes and. You can't always be prepared for that, but you can try. So just make sure that, that you're talking about it more, and everybody is very upfront about where they're at once. You know, the patriarch is gone. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, Trista, I want to thank you for being our guest and joining us today here on the Working Ranch Radio Show.
1: Thank you for having me. It's been a blast.
0: Trista Brown-Priest, my guest today, Chief Operations Officer for Cattle Empire. By the way, if you'd like to find out more information about them, you can go to their website. It's cattle-empire.net. Again, that website is cattle-empire.net, and there you can read about their cattle feeding operation, Cattle Empire, located in Satanta, Kansas. Our featured interview today, again, brought to you by Biosign. Protect and recovery with VitaCharge by Biosign. Biozyme. For more information, visit VitaFirm.com forward slash Vita dash charge. Well, stay with us. Meteorologist Don Day joins us next with a look at our long-term weather on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Ranching has been in the Hardgrove family for generations, and they know the value of keeping a ranch in the family. hardgrove Ranch Insurance provides pasture, range, and forage insurance to ranchers across the nation. PRF Insurance is a USDA subsidized program that allows ranchers to insure against the risk of below average rainfall. Hardgrove Ranch Insurance utilizes industry leading custom software to provide the rancher with information they need to stay up to date and educated on their policy throughout the year. Hardgrove Ranch Insurance supports ranchers for this generation, the next, and those yet to come. Contact Hardgrove Ranch Insurance at 325-573-8975 for a free custom quote or online at hargroveinsurance.com Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm your host, Justin Mills. Our weather segment today brought to you by Hargrove Ranch Insurance, providing pasture range and forage insurance to ranchers across the nation. Contact Hargrove Ranch Insurance at 325-573-8975 for a free custom quote or find them online at hargroveinsurance.com dot com. Well, we're joined now by meteorologist Don Day. And Don, thanks for joining us today. We are seeing some remnants of of hurricane weather coming up through parts of the country, but we're going to see a reprieve here for a while of any future hurricanes here in the near term.
3: Yeah. What is really important about the hurricane activity that affects both the Gulf Coast and the East Coast of the United States is you wouldn't think this would be the case. But The weather in the central and western United States is a big driver because what will happen is, is if you get low pressure in the western United States, that forms a pattern that makes it easier for hurricanes to form in the Gulf and the southeast coast. But when things reverse, when you see low pressure and stronger storms go into the nation's midsection and east coast, that tends to direct the storms that form and keep them out to sea. And we'll see that in the next week or two where Mm -hmm. there is going to be another hurricane forming in the Atlantic, but it's going to go nowhere. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be a break, thankfully, for those parts of the United States to get a break uh, from the hurricane and tropical activity as the weather pattern here to start September shifts around a little bit.
0: And when we when you talk about that shift happening, uh, you are anticipating a pretty significant weather change towards the middle of September.
3: It certainly is looking that way, and that's to be expected. Uh, We're getting those longer nights up in those higher latitudes and shorter days. Colder weather is building up into those areas, and that starts to make the jet stream stronger and more active. Now, what we're hoping is that beginning next week and the the following two weeks after that, uh, that we're going to see the frequency of frontal systems get further south along the Pacific Northwest Coast and hopefully hit those really dry areas and those wildfire areas of uh, Oregon, Washington, as well as central and northern California. I think initially there's going to be some light precipitation and some cooler weather in central and northern California and Oregon towards the middle to the end of next week. And then the following weeks after that, we're probably going to see low pressure reforming in the Western states, allowing the door to some cooler weather, better chances of precipitation, including the Pacific Northwest and the Northern Rockies into the Northern Plains states. And with that reversal, that's going to open the door up to tropical activity for the second half of September into the Gulf Coast and eastern areas of the United States again.
0: I know when you talk about a change in weather and compared to what we've had uh, and the time of year that we're getting at is uh, for the northern Rockies and maybe into the, uh, into the northern tier of the U.S., how cold are we talking, though?
3: Well, right now, there's nothing that I would say is is record breaking or off the charts cold. Uh, but rather uh, the first couple of salvos of that, that cooler air masses you can get out of Canada that really changed the seasons, that gets you out of summer and into an early fall pattern. Uh, one thing that uh, will we'll definitely be needed to keep an eye on is, is this mid-September shot of cooler weather. While it doesn't look like it'll be anything too strong, it could set the stage for a stronger push probably two or three weeks later and that would take us into the beginnings of October.
0: You bet. Well, Don, thanks again for joining us here on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Thanks for having me. Meteorologist Don Day with a look at our long-term weather on our program today. By the way, his website can be found at dayweather.com. I'd like to thank my other guests for joining us as well today. Trista Brown-Priest, our featured interview today with Cattle Empire. Also, a thank you to Mark Anderson, executive director to the North American Limousine Foundation, and, of course, the captain, Tim O'Byrne. A thank you to our sponsors, the American Cemental Association. It's more for head, period find out more at cemental.org. biozyme keep them on your program with ours gain smart by biozyme Galvey balancer the smart reliable and profitable choice for more information go to gelvey.org and hargrove insurance providing pasture range and forage insurance to ranchers across the nation call for a free custom quote at 325-573-8975 Well, if you'd like to get a hold of me, you can do it by calling or texting me at the studio here at 307-363-COWS or shoot me an email at justin.workingranch at gmail.com. The Working Ranch Radio Show is a production of Working Ranch Magazine. You can join us right here every Saturday at 12 noon Eastern on Rural Radio Channel 147 Sirius XM or on your podcast provider. Thanks again for joining us. I'm your host, Justin Mills. And until next time, keep your chin down and your mind in the middle. So long.